Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and periodically some interesting off-topic episodes that, for no other reason, your host finds interesting. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, a position I've enjoyed for over three decades. In just a moment, we'll explore today's topic. You can find and listen to this podcast via any podcast app by searching for Weather Jazz, one word. Every episode is available via the website, weatherjazz.com, which is also where you'll find any accompanying information and links for every episode. And this is episode number 94 for Monday, December the 16th 2019 and here we go we're gliding into the christmas period it does appear as though even though we're in a cold pattern right now uh, the pattern's going to change and it's going to give us a mild and quiet christmas day so if you are traveling that's really really good news uh, if you're a skier, you'll still have some snow in the in the uh, slopes, uh, even in western New York or in New England, uh, perhaps even here in Ohio. Uh, as uh, the uh, all of those ski areas are really going to take advantage of uh, the snowmaking here in the next uh, seven days or so, despite the fact that by the time we get to Christmas. We're looking at highs in the 40s with partly cloudy skies. Well, that's not the reason for this episode. Uh, We're actually going to pick up part two. We did part one of a vintage episode that I released in 2012 uh, with Jack Borden. Jack Borden is uh, now retired, but he used to be a television news reporter for WBZ in Boston. And he started an organization called for spacious skies. It basically encourages everybody to simply look up and appreciate just the wonder and the beauty of the sky. And obviously, we're all about weather here, and periodically, uh, we want to talk about such things. I thought this was a great opportunity to pull out that vintage episode, which, by the way, all of the vintage episodes episodes uh, from season one, which really covered about eight years' worth of weather jazz episodes, are found in the vintage tab. But from time to time, I'm going to pull one from the vintage uh, archives and uh, basically kind of revive it in season two because the topic is very, very important. So without further delay, let's go into part two now with Jack Borden for Spacious Skies, originally broadcast here on WeatherJazz.com back in 2012. And so I took, I took an oath, all right? Somewhere back in the early 80s, it was after, after um, it was just before the conference, and and I said to myself, self, make a pledge. The pledge will be that not one day of the rest of your life will go by, all right, that you haven't done something, even if it's minuscule, to promote people looking up, mm-hmm. seeing the beauty and wonder of the sky. Okay. 
even if these people have not the slightest interest in knowing that that's a cumulonimbus cloud or that's a cirrostratus cloud. Mm -hmm. It is not even important to know the name of a cloud. And, and if you look in the writings of, um, and you should show this to any teachers that you come across, the writings of Rachel Carson, you'll see a place where she says what's important, especially in teaching young children, is don't get them confused with big words and all that kind of stuff that they're not even ready to assimilate. Just teach them to look up and see. And once they really see it, once they're taken by it, once they understand uh, uh, and are and are drawn to it, then mm -hmm. if they if they're so led, then they will say, "Is there a name for that cloud?" When they come to you and ask you for the name of the cloud, that will stay with the kid. Right then, they're ready for exactly. it. They're ready to receive exactly. that information. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Then you're ready for it. Then you're like a, an empty vessel crying for information. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing, this is the mistake that we make, especially in teaching science. And beside which, there are many people whose interest, you know, in other words, the predominance of the left brain, the right brain, there are some people who have a great awareness of the sky and a true appreciation of the sky, because it's hard to have an awareness without having an appreciation. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? If you really, if once you become aware of a good pizza, you're going to appreciate it. <laughs> people don't. That's exactly right. You make a good point. Right. So, so the, the, the gist of it is to just get get the person, get the student to look up. And then, so after we got it going in the schools and all the feedback from the teachers, I mean, tons of stuff, you know, letters from, from, from students reflecting back later in life on how important it was to be turned on to the sky, all that kind of stuff. All right. But when, when I look at all of this, I say, what are we waiting for? We even got a Harvard University study that indicates that that those kids turned out to the sky. This was done in third grade mm -hmm. uh, in Needham, Massachusetts, among third, third graders. They did 37% better in music appreciation. Everybody knows there's a relationship between space and uh, in um and, you know, in terms of our function of our brain, space and mathematics and space and music. Right. There certainly and, is. Okay. 37% better in music mm -hmm. appreciation. And we're not talking about chainsaw rock and roll. We're talking about legit music now. All right. Next, 15 or so percent better in reading and writing mm -hmm. literary skills. Five percent, which they, I don't think that. Frankly, I think that's an underestimation. But anyway, five percent greater in visual art skills. But let, let's just stop at at reading and writing. Here, we, we're, the city of Boston at one point spent three hundred thousand dollars on a whole reading course put out by some big publishing company. It's going to improve reading, and then. Three years later, after after Boston had spent the three hundred thousand and for all these big books and and ancillary materials and all that kind of stuff, the joke was this company also had another service. They'll go in and evaluate how your how your uh, uh, reading improvement things are helping or not. It turned out 
that their particular reading thing that they charged, $300,000 or whatever it was for the city of Boston, didn't succeed at all. And then I think they charged them $75,000 to make that assessment. <laughs> Win-win for that company, anyway. <laughs> so that kind of brings you up to date on on the whole business of for spacious skies, what it wants to do, how much we've succeeded. We've succeeded a lot. As a matter of fact, uh, working through the Weather Channel, somebody from the Weather Channel worked it out that in terms of all of the Perspacious Guys activity guides that were distributed by television stations around the country, uh, directly bought from Perspacious Skies for next to nothing, uh, these things, uh, in terms of the lookup uh, resource guide, from the Weather Channel uh, that went out to God knows how many thousands of people, that if only five people for each book, all right, mm -hmm. only five people who came in contact with that book at any level, all right, had been turned on to the sky for life, that we had turned on 750,000, three-quarters of a million people to the sky. Fantastic. It, and also, uh, there's that book out written by Bernard Mergen, um, who is a professor at George Washington University, a tremendous book called Weather Matters. I think I sent you part of it yes. after a book. Yeah, you certainly did. History for Spacious Skies mm -hmm. and Sky Awareness. And uh, Dr. Mergen, he feels that there's definitely been an increase in sky awareness, and a lot of it is attributable to for Spacious Skies and similar efforts. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to we want to uh, tune in more people to for spacious skies, and I know mm -hmm. that uh, we've got a world audience, uh, mostly United States, but we have downloads uh, on the podcast literally from all over the globe. So maybe this is going to spread to a global uh, community of people who are looking up. Jack, I've got two questions, two follow up questions that I want to close mm -hmm. this uh, out uh, with. I saw something interesting in the promotional material that you sent to me. And you stated that the job of For Spacious Skies is to make people aware of the beauty of the sky, but that what they do with that is completely now up to each individual. What did you mean by that? Okay. Some people are very, very artistically uh, drawn to the sky. Mm -hmm. they, they recognize the sky as having, you know, the, in, its infinite shapes, its infinite uh, display of color, its infinite, uh, 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 almost by definition, its its changingness. Uh, that there, it appeals enormously to their aesthetic sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, aesthetic means to feel. Mm -hmm. in, in some of its uh, definitions. Anesthetic means to be numb, all right? It appeals to their sense of beauty. Now, if this leads that person to become more and more involved in art, in art history, in, uh, in, in, in the depth of art appreciation and uh, art history and all that kind of stuff, so be it, all right? Some people are interested in the scientific aspect of the sky. In other words, what exactly is going on in the atmosphere that I'm looking at, through which I'm seeing the stars, through which I'm seeing the planets, and so on. Okay, so 
that person could be, and also a greater sensitivity to to weather and what causes weather. That person could be could go on to meteorology or some atmospheric science. Uh, a person could be interested, could be very spiritually moved, and who knows? The person could go out and wind up going to divinity school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as I as I've often said, it's like the Greyhound Company. They sell you a ticket to go from Boston to Chicago. Unless you're a, you know, a guy going out there to rob a bank or something, and they've got some clue that you're going to do it, uh, their business is just to get you out there. Mm-hmm. See? They, their business isn't to when you get there uh, uh, to, for you, for you to, to become another person, in a sense. Although, at the same time, somebody recognizing the fact that Greyhound is going to take you out there might be smart enough to give you some literature on places to go and places to see in Chicago. Right. Mm-hmm. See? So so there are all kinds of things where the result can be something other, because very often uh, we used to kid that, uh, and say, look, we've got the kid looking at the sky and some of the weathermen say, hey, look, i got enough competition now getting the job. I don't need any more. I don't need every kid running around with a meteorology degree. It, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. No, not at all. It's, it doesn't it- work yeah, it's it's an open door to to something deeper and not necessarily in the same direction as the next individual who uh, discovers that the sky is something of beauty. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and every everybody. See, I'm, let me let me give you uh, some idea of the profundity of this. All right. I like it when a teacher will assign kids to keep a sky journal. Mm-hmm. Just have just have the kid look at the sky for a few minutes, okay? Through the window, uh, out in the schoolyard, take five minutes out of recess, whatever it is, on the school bus. Look at the sky and write a description of the sky. Okay. When the... When this happens, and I, I love to read these sky journals, I ask the teacher, show me the kids' sky journals. And they like regular, like college blue books or something, just little books that they have. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Mm-hmm. And, and as I read it, I notice that each child, in turn, and we're not just, so when I say child, I don't necessarily mean elementary school. I'm talking about up to high school, you know? Uh, when the, you see the first use of the word beautiful, all right? Mm-hmm. In other words, when, when the kid looks up and says, and then there was a hole in the clouds, and it looked like a shaft of light was coming down. Oh, it was beautiful, all uh-huh. right? The moment the kid writes that, the moment the kid sees that, and then that finds its way onto the printed page, I'm saying to myself, this is a new standard of beauty that we've inculcated. Right, exactly, right on. And now, forever after, that person, I won't even call it necessarily use the word child, mm-hmm. that person will have a different standard of beauty than they had before. And with that sense of beauty, picture you're a kid growing up, What is what is going, how can Lady Gaga's latest fashion creation compete with a beautiful sunset, if you really see that sunset. Uh, Jack, it's not even in the same league. There you go. 
Mm-hmm. I have one. And that's what that's what we're offering, Andre. Mm-hmm. That is what for spacious skies is offering. It's offering a revision of the aesthetic standards of the citizen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jack, you also discovered that people who discover the sky seem to have a number of positive personal attributes that non-sky-aware people have. Could you... Uh, I'll list them. Yeah, give me a few of them, if you would. Okay. The first thing, number one, all right, they have a feeling of protectedness when it comes to the environment. Anybody who appreciates deeply any aspect of the environment, even if it's your, a little backyard garden, all right, this person does not throw... Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken boxes out of the car window. Mm-hmm. All right, they will not defile the environment. Mm-hmm. They will not. They might not. If, if I throw a Kentucky Fried Chicken box out of my car, the chances are fairly good that they're not going to pick up my Kentucky Fried Chicken box. But they will not add to the mess. Right. All right. That in itself is glorious for the municipal budgets of keeping the world, keeping the environment clean. Excellent. And it's one of the first things to get cut. You look around on the side of the highway, you can tell that there's been a cut down in budgets because there's still too much junk, you know, stuff by the roadside. Mm -hmm. All right, next, next. They are more appreciative, more appreciative of the environment more appreciative of the beauty of the environment, but most especially in art and photography, Mm -hmm. especially of the sky, all right, skyscapes, landscapes. When you show that person who who comes to an appreciation of the sky a a picture of a painting, one of the first things that he's going to look at is how the sky is rendered in the painting. Mm -hmm. Because he sees the sky in real life, he's sensitized to its depictions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you a baseball fan? Uh, I'm a fair weather fan, no pun intended on meteorology. Okay. All right. So let, let's let's say that you're a, a Cleveland Indian fan. Okay. All right. A passionate Cleveland Indian fan. A, a passionate baseball fan. You see somebody sliding into third base and a guy putting a tag on him, you're going to be very interested. But if you have no feelings about this at all. In other words, as far as you're concerned, here's another guy getting two million a year to get his pants dirty. <laughs> See? That's exactly okay, so right. Good because point. you're sensitized to the sky in mm-hmm. reality, you're sensitized to it in its depictions, mm-hmm. i.e. art and photography. Okay. Third, all right. There is no doubt about the fact that the sky inspires awe. A W E. Mm-hmm. Believe me, you're not going to get the same brand of awe out of Lady Gaga's latest fashion. <laughs> I don't think so. As you're going to get out of a out of the the uh, brilliance of a sunrise or or uh, or the crepuscular rays flowing down through the holes in the clouds and all that. Now, if you translate that that calls that what you have is the evocation of the evoking of as well as the appealing to any of the spiritual sensitivities of people mm-hmm. and and we all have it 
Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. There's a great book out uh, entitled Why God Won't Go Away, because we're hardwired for him. That's, That's exa- why. exactly the right. The is, is like it says, be still and know. Mm-hmm. All right? Nobody shuts up long enough to hear the beauty in the silence, mm-hmm. which is a kind of, has a, a quality of its own. All right? So, therefore, this this goes after the, the awe and the appreciation of great spaces. And, and when I, let me tell you something, I saw the figures on how few people have ever looked through a telescope. I have seen the, the figures on how few people, amazingly, had ever looked through a microscope. Mm-hmm. They just had never have. Right. They've gone through all the years of schooling and never looked through a telescope, never looked through a microscope. Yeah, they've been to a planetarium and they've seen blow-ups of pictures on, on uh, public television and stuff like that. I'm talking now about physically putting your eye to a microscope. Like 78% of the public has never looked through a microscope, maybe a greater percentage, mm-hmm. and even greater through a telescope. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, now... The fourth thing, other than inspiring awe, the fourth thing is you tend to be mellower. When you look up and you see the magnitude of the firmament, what you're seeing is something that kind of puts you in your place. You know what I mean? It sure does. And, yeah. and, it, and, and, and it isn't, it isn't like, although I've met people that don't like to look at the sky because it makes them look tiny. They want to feel big. I had one guy say to me, hey, you want to know something, Jack? It's bad enough I'm living on it as a social security number and all that kind of stuff, and I'm just a number. Uh, I don't need I don't need a big sky to make me feel any smaller than all that other stuff does. But that's why I don't look at the sky. I swear to God. Wow. I've had people tell me that. All right. That they avert looking at the sky. Okay. So when you... The, the majority of the people will report, when I look at the sky, I feel more relaxed, I feel mellower, it puts things in perspective. There's a thing in psychology, environmental psychology, known as the attention restoration theory. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can read it in, about it in a lot of places. And, and that is, if you're sitting at a desk and after about 20 minutes, you just get up and walk over to the window and look out for about uh, 60 seconds, it's like going on a short vacation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really believe is. it, sure. Okay. And the fifth thing, and absolutely, okay, present in everybody, is a greater interest in weather. Mm-hmm. Because when you're looking at the sky, you're looking at the weather-making machine, right? Or as Rachel Carson said, you're looking at the clouds of the handwriting of the wind, all right? What you're looking at, what you're looking at you're not just thinking of weather in terms of, uh, gee, I better take an umbrella with me. You're thinking of weather as kind of the whole symphony being played out by the atmosphere mm-hmm. that you're looking through. Mm-hmm. And and so you've got all these things working for you. You're a different person. You're a better person. And when I learn, okay, what, what the efforts that I've made to get for spacious skies into prisons, all right, Mm-hmm. And I've heard some of the people say to me, and this is so ridiculous, they'll say to me, well, I don't know, I'm thinking of it from a, this is administrative types, I'm thinking of it from, you know, from the standpoint of security, Sec- 
security. What, what, when you're telling that guy in the middle of the yard out there and he was doing 20 years for something, all right, you're telling that guy to look at the sky. It doesn't mean you're telling him that he can go up in the tower and giving him a machine gun. We're just telling him that while he's standing there, you know, doing nothing except pumping iron, let's say, uh, maybe he can take a look at the sky above him. Some of the lowest amount of sky awareness exists in prisons, right. strangely enough, where we thought it would it would be the most. Mm-hmm. We had write-ups in Prison Life magazine. We offered cloud charts that next to nothing or even giving them away and all that kind of... You would be amazed. There isn't any. These people are locked inside their heads. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. See? So, uh, and, and then there's always people who will make excuses for not looking at the sky. I had guys say to me, uh, well, I'm not going to look at the sky. What do you want me to do, smash my car up? To which I'll say to them, look, you look at your dashboard, which is inside the car, and you don't smash the car up. Why can't you look at the sky, which is outside the car, yeah. and mm-hmm. not smash the car up? Because mm-hmm. I saw, I think it was in the AAA magazine uh, of about, I think in the late 80s, uh, there was an article on a global view of the road, that when you see the whole of the environment around you, or what they call the Apaches, I think it is called the big look, when you, when you see, see things that way, you can, see the, you can see where your accidents are taking shape in mm-hmm. front of you. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're looking straight down hard in front of you, you're just two seconds away from hitting the guy in front of you, and that's about all. Right. I'm telling you, there's a lot to this. And and what it is, the answer for many people is not to get too deeply involved in the in the why of it, but to get involved in the how of it. By the how of it, the question should be, how can I get to see the sky more profoundly mm-hmm. than I do? The answer is, look at it. And that, yeah. you appreciate pizza more? Eat pizza. <laughs> it's as simple as just looking, and that's all people have to do. It's simple. It's free. Uh, our chief meteorologist, uh, Dick Goddard, who is a young, spry, 81 years old, um, mm-hmm. always brings people out in the uh, the back parking lot when the International Space Station goes by, and he always gets on the intercom and, and says that he's selling tickets for only three fifty each if anybody wants to take a look at the International Space Station. It's free. You don't, you don't have to sell tickets. You don't have to buy tickets. You just simply look up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Jack? And when a teacher begins to uh, work with kids, all right, Mm-hmm. And, and of course, the real difficulty, the t- let's say you got a teacher who's uh, 30 years old, all right? She's had 30 years of practice not looking at the sky, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the kid who's eight years old has only had eight years of practice not looking at the sky. So what we're doing is, is you're getting the transmission of non-looking at the sky goes down from one generation to the next. And, all we're, and, and we more and more are just, we breed non-sky lookers. Mm-hmm. The idea is once, once you get a, a kid turned onto the sky and it, and it locks in, that kid will be looking at the sky for the rest of her life and she'll be transmitting that to her children. Yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. 
I'll give you one little story, one little vignette, all right? Uh, we, um, in a class in, in Arlington, Massachusetts, uh, a teacher goes in there, we called her our, our sky teacher. She became like a specialist in this type of thing. And she, uh, she says to the class, uh, class, could you tell me any sky experiences you've had since the last time I was here? I think she was talking to fourth graders or something like that. And um, so the kids are telling about different things they saw in the sky and whatnot. So one one of the kids says, um, I was coming back from Logan Airport, Boston, and uh, we dropped my father off. He had to go out to Chicago or something on business. And we're driving home, and we're driving west, and there's all these beautiful colors in the sky and golden, and all these rays are shooting up and back of the of the clouds and front of the clouds. Oh, gee, it was it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And uh, and I and uh, I was telling my brothers and sister to look at it, and and my mother. So. Janet Anderson, the sky teacher, tells me, she said, so I said to the kid, uh, and and uh, how did your mother feel about it? These are the exact words of the child. Mm. Well, know something? She didn't even care. Mm. Wow. Okay. So at that moment, the kid realizes mommy makes the world's best toll house cookies, is great at fixing a hole in your jeans, but don't count on her to be... Uh, uh, anybody who's going to bolster your emerging appreciation of the sky. Mm-hmm. All right. So when the and when the kids the kids said when the kids said you know she doesn't even care. Janet Anderson, the girl said to me, she said I looked at the child and I said to her, but we do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in other words, as long as as long as a kid has somebody to appreciate their their appreciation, that's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And believe me, believe me, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, that any well, uh, this is another true story. President, Senator Kennedy's office arranged for me to talk to a head start class down in Springfield, Massachusetts a number of years ago. So I go down there and these were all minority people. Uh and they were people from the you might call uh, less ad, less advantaged people, and these are mothers of kids who were involved in Head Start. So I give them a, a spiel about for spacious skies, and then I said, uh, "Here's what I'd like like you to do. All right, I'm going to have you pretend that you have a hundred dollars. All right." which you can go out and buy Christmas presents for your daughter, right? Now, I think I said $100, maybe 50 I can't remember, probably $50, all mm-hmm. right? You have $50. Now, one of the things you can buy for the $50, or with your $50, is that your child will will either uh, read something, see something, hear something, chew something that will provoke them to when they see something beautiful happening out the window, let's say it's a lovely sunset, they will come to you and say, Mommy, Mommy, come on to the window. I want you to see this beautiful sunset. 
Mm-hmm. How much of your $50 would you spend in order to have your child do something, eat something, read something, see something, hear something that will produce that effect, that they will go to a window, look at that scene, and say, Mommy, come, come, quick, come to the window, put down those dishes, come to the window, I want you to see this, it's so beautiful. How much of your $50, in other words, $10, $5, how much of your $50 would you give for that? I said, write it down, fold the paper, pass it to the right. You're right. There were 39, I'm sorry, 29 parents there, all right? 29. Mm-hmm. They all wrote the number down. They folded the paper, passed it, passed it down to the right. I then opened them all up. Now, 29 people, each one starting out with 50 bucks. How much would they pay for that? How much of their 50 would they pay for that? And these are not exactly what you would call literary people. Right. Mm-hmm. How much do you think? Boy, I, I'm asking. I, I would hope that that number was very high. In fact, uh, I would hope that some of them would even have written the entire 50. Um, my guess is that it was pretty high. Andre, I salute you for that. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because every single one of the 29, imagine that, every single one of these 29 Mm -hmm. wrote $50. Wow. Oh, that is amazing. That is amazing. And that is the the starting step. And and maybe that's the starting awareness that gets the ball rolling to begin to point people to appreciating things of beauty all around them, including and especially the sky. Excellent. You put your finger right on. Way to go. Jack, it has been a real pleasure to have you on Weather Jazz, and we're going to do everything that we can to point people to For Spacious Skies. Um, And uh, your work is not in vain, and what happened to you in 1977 is not in vain. Uh, you can you can count your stars and you can count your clouds on that too, Jack. Uh, thank you so much for everything that you have done and for everything that you will continue to do in the future. Well, uh, when we started out, the original grant applications that we sent out were as follows. We were seeking grants okay, to stimulate and sustain public awareness of the appearance of the sky right, mm-hmm. through the use of of mass media. That's why we started out looking for publicity to bring this up as a subject for people to talk about and think about. Okay? And that's exactly what we're doing with you and I and going out to Weather Jazz to familiarize people with for spacious skies and the whole concept of sky awareness. We are using the media to achieve this. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and will help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence, both on social media and by word of mouth. If you have a question or a topic suggestion, I welcome your input. You can easily reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. 
If you're listening to Weather Jazz via one of the many podcast apps available, remember to subscribe so that you can automatically download every episode as I make them available. And if you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, or plan to visit or simply traveling through, you can catch my 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. weekday weather segments on WJW Television, Fox 8, or online, live at fox8.com. If you have a Twitter or Instagram account, you can follow me at Andre Bernier, A-N-D-R-E-B-E-R-N-I-E-R. We'll see you soon with another engaging episode right here on Weather Jazz. Weather Jazz.